You're listening to The Athletic Mind with your host, Taylor Cook and Lauren Williams. Welcome back to another episode of The Athletic Mind, where we dig deep and shed light on the mental side of sports for athletes and coaches by having open conversations about mental health, mindset, and performance. Welcome back to The Athletic Minds. We are back in the locker room after a week off because life is crazy. I'm in the middle of moving countries and situating personal belongings and dogs and flights and I don't know if you'll be able to hear the elevator music in the background but we're on hold with our current flight operator to get everything sorted out after two failed attempts so third time's a charm here we go (laughs) (laughs) side note for anybody who thought that traveling with a dog was easy you are incorrect (laughs) Yeah, I actually thought about that. I was like, oh, this would have been so simple if we didn't have a dog. Oh my God. Would have just been like, all right, get this on the go. All right, we go and fly from here to here. No worry about connection and we're done. But now it's like- But you love him so much. I do. I do. And I love to see how much he costs me to get prepped for this as well. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So for anybody who wants to get a dog and you travel a lot, Maybe think twice about that before you go ahead and get one. Unless you can like fit it in your little carry bag. Yeah, like the little yip yappers. Mm-hmm. But yeah. how have you been doing, Lou? I know it's it's been a while. Yeah, you know, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants a little bit. But keeping me on my toes. Mm-hmm. Overall, I'm... I like, I feel like I'm doing fine. There's a lot of change going on right now, but this has been a great practice for control what you can control for me. Amen. I think I'm falling in the same boat with you on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, things are busy, but we like busy most times. So it's good. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I'd mm-hmm. rather be busy than just sitting here twiddling my thumbs, I guess. So we got to look on the bright side of situations. Yes, absolutely. But what has been on the bright side was the fact that we had Women's World Championships this past week and a bit. And whew, um, I really enjoyed like the prelims a lot. I mm-hmm. thought that some teams came out really strong, especially stronger than what I was anticipating. Unfortunately, because of location and time, didn't really get to watch a lot of the Canada-US games, which is the unfortunate, and, mm-hmm. but that that is how it is, so uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's it's great to see um, France was in this year, which is I guess a little a bit of a tough go, but... As it normally is, right? But like we're starting to see teams like Japan break it into the tournament like and be there consistently which is awesome i'd love to start on that note actually because okay they are such a great tactical and strategic team like when you look at team japan you think Mm -hmm. they are small in size holy fuck they make up in speed and hard work Like they do not give up on the puck. They know how to read the plays. They know when they should be swinging through or stopping and holding Mm. up. Like it was 
I was really blown away. <laughs> Taylor's geeking out over the systems that Team Japan's running. I love it. Oh, that's it was great. Well, like it's it, hard to come by teams that actually really know how to play systems and adapt properly. Yeah. And it kind of like it reminds me of the the good little debate that we have about is it more important to learn systems early or is it more important to learn or to to take players who are more skilled, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you waste time on, and I quote, waste time on um, getting your team really, really well prepared system-wise when the reality of it is that it is a short-term competition, right? The tournament lasts for two weeks or so. Um, or do you just pick a team that's going to have the most individual skill? And... I think we might have seen that in some other teams that underperformed in the tournament. Well, I mean, Japan held off Switzerland to a one-goal game, which was unreal. I just I really can't get over how well Japan showed up in the A pool. Like I was really blown away by that fact. And I mean, I, I actually looked at their coach's history, and he's been coaching this team for like 15 years. Like he's Wow. It's a gauntlet. Like he's been here for a long time, but I, I haven't really checked to see, you know, how long these girls have been playing under this coach. But I think that obviously does play a bit of a role into it. But mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of hockey countries, like Japan's not the first on anybody's radar. Right. And I'll just come right out and say it, you know, Germany performed a lot better than I expected. 100% came out the gates with a solid six, two win over Sweden. I was yeah. baffled, just baffled. And in terms mm-hmm. of teams that underperformed, I would say in comparison to what we normally expect, Sweden didn't come out so hot in this tournament, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, and and Finland even, like I think that they struggled a little bit at times as well. And I think that they even recognized that in the games that they played. Mm-hmm. But usually they were able to kind of adapt and come back within the game. But you, you can't just play a couple periods and hope that you win, right? Yeah, no, you got to play the full 60. Mm-hmm. It's great to see the game growing into countries where it's struggled or where talent has struggled, I guess, like finding the talent. So Japan is a great example. I also think Germany is too. I know that men's hockey is is still growing over there as well, but the women's game always seems to be a little bit behind and seeing the development there is awesome love it because the more competition the better the tournament's going to get every year Mm -hmm. and the more that you want to watch those games that aren't Canada and the U.S. better it is for the sport in general so Mm -hmm. I'm all for it but yeah to go back to to Sweden and Finland I've been thinking about this for a while and I just don't understand where they're at they have one of them one of if not the most organized professional women's leagues in the world (laughs) and they have this great system for developing their players where they start as young as like right before high school and then they get into these hockey gymnasium schools where they get specialized training throughout high school for hockey and a lot of them get the opportunity to play professionally while they're still in high school with girls that are 20 25 30 years old and have way more experience they get to get exposed to that so early and develop but they are struggling on the world stage right now and 
I don't know why, because it part of that conversation we're having with systems versus talent. We a little burnt out from all of the hockey training that they're doing. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's actually a really good question. And like we we were actually contemplating the same thing here when we were watching the games, especially like to see Sweden struggling because they have I, I don't know if you can say in the world now because the PHF is actually like pulling up tight in that area in terms of, you know, providing a professional paying uh, salary that you, where these girls can play. But in terms of Europe, for sure, the most developed. And if you look at any of these European teams, a lot of those girls play in the SDHL. Most yeah. of the girls from Finland, I would say either play in, in Espo or they play in Sweden. And I mean, even for team Sweden, like they've majority SDHL, some of them playing at American universities, but yeah. That's a great, great question, though. Mm-hmm. The, these are two prominent hockey countries, and they're struggling. And so, like, what again? Like, what does that really, truly come back to? Because I don't think it's a lack of skill by any means. These girls are really talented. They can play yep. with the best of the best. But somewhere along the line, there's something going on. Whether that's from like a team standpoint or an individual athletic standpoint, where something is not clicking. And I know. Yeah with watching team Finland play when they were struggling, there were a lot of people just like throwing the puck away. Like they, they wouldn't, they were pressured and they succumbed to that pressure. Right. And I, I can't remember what my university coach always used to say, but it was something along the lines of like, you want to be rushing, but not like in a, in a pressure sense. Yeah, yeah, panic. Yeah, rush, not panic. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or urgency yeah. and not panic or something like that. And yeah. there is a huge difference between those two things. So how is it about those athletes that they're going to be able to find that balance for them where they are confident enough to move that puck? Because there was a lot of times where there was just pizza passes going out to the wrong team and giving them yeah. the opportunity to score. Yeah. I wonder... For those who don't know, in the SDHL and in Europe in general, um, hockey's played on an Olympic size ice, which is, uh, I'm not sure how much longer, but it's 15 feet wider. Yeah, that's a huge thing for goalies. Huge thing for goalies, but like when you're talking about getting pressured, it's a huge thing for time and space. Mm -hmm. Because the size of the players, they're not changing coming from you know Europe and when Europeans are playing against other Europeans in the SDHL then coming over here what's changing is the size of the ice so I wonder if that you know it's almost like a little bit of a shock to them when they're like oh my gosh I really don't have a lot of time and space Mm -hmm. and it quickly goes from that urgency to panic Mm -hmm. because watching the Canada versus Sweden game they did not let them breathe at all Mm-hmm. in their own zone Canada we had a shot on net goalie the goalie played amazing she'd make a save direct the rebound in the corner and then a Swedish player would be there and she'd be met by a Canadian player with another one coming up next to her mm-hmm. so to kind of your point like they just start throwing the puck around because they're exhausted they've been running around for two minutes in their own zone mm-hmm. while Canada's changed two and three times Yeah. And I think it's also worth pointing out, like, if you look at, okay, let's say like team Canada versus team Sweden, 
Sweden. <laughs> Team Sweden. Uh, if we look at this game in particular, right, like what you're saying, the ice is smaller. Maybe they are like a little bit more gas because they have that pressure. They're not used to playing in a small area in that sense. Okay, mm. valid points. Um, but I'm also wondering because most of those Canadian players play in the PWHPA and the game schedule is a lot less heavy than yeah. those from the Swedish team who have just come out of playoffs. Most of those girls in the SDHL, I would say, are from Luleå, Brunes, or Your Garden. And mm-hmm. a few of them play Division One in the NCAA. So that, like you were talking about burnout, right? Like maybe they didn't yeah. have enough time to rest and truly recover from a full season of games where they're playing significantly more than the girls from Team Canada. Yeah. And then jumping into like having the travel on top and like, I don't know how, how much further in advance that they travel Mm. for the, for the tournament or not, but like adjusting to that time change can be tough for some people too. So that definitely plays a role. A lot of different things, a lot of different hums and haws that we could make, right? About, Mm -hmm. but I think the bottom line is with the, with the resources that they have, they need to be better. Yes. And I think it's it's funny because when we talk about those resources, we see it from the North American standpoint of you have a great opportunity, like you get the the opportunity to do a little bit more specialization in high school. You get exposed to that professional area when you're in high mm. school. You can learn from those that are older than you. But from their perspective, I don't think it's the same because if you talk to a lot of Europeans, they'll say that their leagues like pretty underdeveloped. Mm. Even in in Finland, they're looking for someone who's going to be head of women's development for the women's league because they don't have that in place for them, right? Right. So, yep. I would love to even. I mean, we had Anna Shelvin on here before, who was captain of Team Sweden this year. I don't know if you noticed that, but I did. Um, it would be really great to even get someone from one of the European teams, whether that be Sweden, Finland, to come on and even talk about something a little bit more in depth like that, because I do think that the development that they have, like there is a huge opportunity there, mm-hmm. but you it's, it can be tough to see when you're not exposed to like what we have here, which is very different still. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. It's an, it's an interesting thought path to go down in terms of thinking about like, cause what we're talking about essentially is you have all these players that have talent, but how do you optimize it? Mm-hmm. And what, puzzle piece is missing right now because it's I don't think it's it's not the player's fault no god no like it's not the player's fault that like the team's not performing well or well you know what I'm making assumptions now I don't know how things run over there um but yeah there's just I want them to be in a better place as a team Mm -hmm. to compete I want them to be in the conversation for a gold medal game yeah. And we talked about that too. I was, I was asking like, you know, how long is it going to take until we can go into a women's world championship and be like, oh, I wonder who is going to win this year. And it's not going to be like a, Oh, is it going to be Canada or us? Like usual. Like, yeah. obviously I love that team Canada plays so well. Huge, huge Canadian fan yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huge um, Canadian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for women's hockey, I want to be able to see that there's going to be competition enough to say, well, maybe it's not going to be Canada or US. Maybe it's going to be Finland or Sweden or Germany or Japan. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah, that would be awesome. 
Mm -hmm. It would be awesome. Yeah. I was uh, talking to my, like my fellow assistant coach here. And I said, I wonder if they get tired of playing each other, the U S and Canada, (laughs) they do the rivalry series. A lot of them play each other in the PWHPA, which like that's going to happen in any professional league. You're going to end up playing with your national team teammates and Mm -hmm. playing against them. But I'm not, I can't remember how many games the rivalry series was this year. It was was probably in between like seven and 10, maybe, or 12. Mm -hmm. So in the course of a year, you're playing the same team relatively, right? Because the rosters don't really change that much. No. You're playing the same team like 20 times. If I had to, like, if I was in college still, and if I had to play Minnesota, you know, arguably 10, 15, 20 times in a season, I think I would start to lose my mind. You love those games, right? Because they're battles, it's a rivalry, and you play just on another level for those games. But I still think that there's, like, it's got to be, I don't know, tiring is not the right word, but yeah, and I think it's just something that has to be dealt with at this point. Like, I feel, okay, these girls must obviously, like, love going into rivalry games for sure. Mm-hmm. But when you're consistently playing against the same exact team and then, like, you're able to attack and, de- and defend, like, the same way all the time, I think it's it stunts your ability to grow as a team and develop further for sure because you're just... Yeah playing the same opponent like if you're doing the same thing all the time you're not gonna get better and learn right like you're not gonna be able to grow in that sense um well and part of the conversation for those teams then also is how can we grow that's gonna force them to change yeah exactly like oh we notice that maybe they're a little bit weak in this area so that means we need to really develop this area of our play in order to use that against them kind of the situation mm-hmm. right um, but yeah. it's, it can be challenging when you're continuing continuously playing the same team, but on the flip side of that coin, it's really necessary because this is the process for like growing the women's game in North America and getting that recognition and working on like finding, not even finding the support is there, but it's about showing that the numbers are there at this point and you have to make the business case for it, which I think we've already done this. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that showing in the PHF with that 50% cap raise for the salary, I think that that's a huge win. Um, mm-hmm. I think the next big win would be for the PWHPA either to take off and actually have a sustainable league that pays their players that doesn't just go on these tours um, mm-hmm. or to finally like, Hey, like we need to just bite the bullet and get this merge on the go so we can have a true professional women's hockey league where all of the best players are playing and not just having this PWHPA, this other group that is solely for mainly Olympians at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. We've got to, got to find a way to merge the two because it's like you said, the, the hockey market is there. Right. The women's hockey market is there. People are, they want to watch the women's game, but the more that we divide up the market and the fan base, the harder it's going to be to do it. Mm-hmm. And a great example of this is when there are rivalry series games or when Canada and the U S play each other in North America, 
whatever rink they're at comes pretty darn close to selling out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Almost Absolutely. every single game that Team Canada played in in this tournament was sold out or nearly sold out for the World Championships in Brampton. A lot of different things in that. Like, I think they could have done a little bit better than put them in a 5,000-seat capacity rank. Because I think they would have filled it if it was more. Mm -hmm. But the atmosphere in there looked wild. It looked amazing. So I respect that as well. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I wish that I got to see some of those games uh, because I, (laughs) like I said, (laughs) my bedtime's pretty early these days. I'm getting old. Yeah. It's a fact of life. So, you know, staying up till 1am to watch a game for a couple hours just is not going to fly anymore, unfortunately. Um, mm. But I get to catch the highlights and stuff, uh, which is which is great. And there's always a great show between Canada and US. There's, you can't really question it, obviously. Like, even the, the attendance sheet shows, on average, for Canadian games, there was over 4,000 people in attendance there. Mm-hmm. drawing in just for the Canadian games like almost 30,000 total for those for their games over the the course of the of the world championships so there's no question mm-hmm. about it the support's there the fans yeah. are there and it's really just about making that big push on growing the game and getting more visibility and like not just in North America it needs to happen in Europe as well and you know coming like I played in in the Norwegian league and they now are on like tv2 there so they do have televised games Uh, seeing seeing the development like just from the time that I've left till now even the normal damn girl I can't like (laughs) proud moment proud moment I am I'm actually so so happy to see that the league has really grown significantly like when I was playing, mm-hmm. Stavanger was the top dog. They won all of their games. They won championships all the time. Like there was no like true competition in that sense. But now we just had a different team who was new to the league. I think it's like their second year here. They won. I was like, damn, this is great. Love to see it. There's like, I think two, three, there's like two or three new teams in the league since I left. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's amazing. massive. That's huge. And so like, it's great to see that it's growing. It's getting more, like more viewership and stuff. And I'm hoping that the same can be said for here in Germany with the DFEL. I know that they're slow rolling to that point. I'm hoping that it's going to grow a little bit more. Uh, I think the, the DEB, like the German national association is taking more of a active role and making sure that that's getting promoted and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But but what do you think we need to have the other convert, like kind of the similar conversation we're having right now with the PHF and the PWHPA, like how many leagues can there be in Europe before like the talent pool really gets diluted in one of them or two of them? Cause I think the default right now is, is going to the SDHL, right? If you're in that top tier. Mm-hmm. So it's tough, right? Like if you think about it in the way we took we talk about men's teams, for example, right? Like in North America, you have the NHL, the AHL, the ECHL, I believe, yeah. or the AHL or whatever it's called. Um, so you have like those three leagues. So there's a very obvious skill gap in between those ones, right? You're mm-hmm. here, you can work up to here all the way up to the NHL, and then you get back and forth, whatever. Like you have to really be able yeah. to play at that level. And I think the same thing will eventually develop in 
Europe. Like obviously Sweden is already like the pinnacle of where it's at, right? Yeah. Most of the players from these national teams are playing in the SDHL or going over to NCAA schools. That's mm-hmm. how it is at the moment. And so maybe it's not about each league individually becoming the best, but one, you have to become really great for your country. So like Norway, for example, you have to focus on the Norwegian development first, right? It's your nationality first. And then from there, you need to start working on the growth piece. So Mm -hmm. Germany, it's about, okay, like where are the deficits at right now? Nobody has viewership. Like that's the biggest issue. And they Mm -hmm. don't charge at least, maybe they've changed it this season, but in the year before this past one, there was no charging for tickets to admit admitted to the game. That oh. wasn't a thing. I'm like, how do you expect to grow any of these organizations if, if you don't have money coming charge? in? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, like, that's that's the question right there, right? And so, even for the women's teams, they don't have the same opportunities as men in the same in the sense that they get the ccm or bauer deals where they get that access to free equipment or like they have the exchange between the club and Mm -hmm. the the company right so it's about making sure that companies and not just ccm and bauer for example like those are obviously the big two but like Mm -hmm. berbero is up and coming they're north american based slowly working their way into europe but you have to be able to really look at the the pros and cons of those kinds of relationships because yeah. if you're a smaller company but you want to get more visibility for yourself and kind of create some credibility in and around your product mm-hmm. your brand you have to be willing to give a little bit too right and so yeah. especially in Europe it's a different market than it is back home so different and i can't express that enough like it's it's crazy so i mean I think, yeah, when it comes to like league development, for example, I think in Europe, what you will see is like Sweden will probably remain the number one for women's hockey to get to. They've got the yeah. partnership partnership with the SHL. It's been going strong for well over five years now. I think they signed an extension for another five or something like that. I don't know the actual details of it, but I do know that they've extended that partnership, which creates a lot more stability for the women's league there. But then it's about, okay, like, how is it that the other leagues are going to be able to develop and it can create that kind of system in the sense of like, even in Germany right now for men's, we have Oberliga, which is hosted by the German national entity, and then Mm -hmm. DEL2, which is also hosted by German national entity. But then you have the DEL, which is a private entity in and of itself that's not run by the national board of governments. So it would have to be something along those lines where it's like, maybe the DFEL will be like the stepping stone to getting to one of those better leagues. So Mm -hmm. kind of looking at it from, from that perspective, just like if even we have girls from North America, they come and they play in Sweden's division one, they get Mm -hmm. the exposure and then they're able to step up into the SDHL. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That was super long winded, but like had to get it out there. No, it's good. I think it, Oh yeah, it's good to hear your perspective. You've obviously lived there a lot longer than I had. Um, was there for like a flash of the pan. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, and you know, I think the partnership with the SHL is great for the women's game. The only thing that bothers me though is that the women's teams are always second. Mm-hmm. 
And the way that it works, for those of you who don't understand, is the SHL brings in a lot of money. And we're talking about how different the hockey markets are in Europe versus here. The hockey market in Sweden is, but like, because that's what I saw. It's like the soccer market. Like, these fans are crazy. They bleed the colors of whatever team they root for. And in the men's league, there's, oh, what's the name of it? In Stockholm, there's Ugordan. And then they had a rival, uh, Hamarby. I'm probably butchering that. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hamarby? I don't know. But, like, they would schedule, like, through Facebook posts, schedule fights. <laughs> the, fans, <laughs> the fans would, like, schedule fights with each other on Facebook before going. Yo, meet me at this section, at this row, this time? No, outside the rink. Oh. They took it outside. And then they went to the game after. <laughs> what? Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's like, they, they're really, really passionate about it. And obviously, you're passionate about it. You charge for tickets. You bring in money. People buy your merch. You're mm -hmm. making money. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's a, a slow point for women's side, too, is the merch part. <laughs> I don't know if they really have any here. Do you have any? Right? Well, and it's <laughs> we're also not going to encourage fans to schedule fights. Like, no. maybe we leave that. But, but all this all this money comes in. And then the partnership states that it gets um dispersed mm -hmm. throughout the men's team obviously and then the women's team yeah and at least in in your garden it wasn't necessarily looked on with a lot of favor mm -hmm. like sometimes the men's program got a little iffy about it um yeah and then sometimes that was reflected in some of the resources that the women's team got mm-hmm but all in all, it was still a really, really good experience there. But how, if we're so comfortable being in that kind of partnership, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of certainty in the men's game, yeah. how much are we really going to be able to grow? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's kind of my question. Well, no, and you make a really valid point, right? And like we talk about with the WNBA, right? Like they, they're not getting the money from the NBA. Yeah. That's not a thing. Right. So mm -hmm. like if you're constantly going to be dependent on the men's league to even create some sort of sustainability for your women's, it's not going to work long-term. So then in mm -hmm. Sweden, when they're looking at their development, I think like, yeah, okay. They've got the grassroots kind of covered already for the most part, mm -hmm. I would say. But then yep. it's making sure that they have something in place to actually make the women's league sustainable in and of itself. So how is it that we can start to build the SDHL and build that fan base? Because there is a fan base in some of those teams. Like I know Yuttaberg, yep, they, they folded last season and their fan base was kind of small from my understanding. Mm -hmm. But like, how is it that we're going to be able to grow that fan base, market it and make it so that you're going to be able to bring sponsors in for just the women's team, or maybe they want to do yeah. both men's and women's. Maybe there's something that you can kind of, you know, put together there in terms of a contract, like, Hey, we're willing to put up X amount of money and like X amount goes to each team, like 50, 50 or, or whatever. Right. But, and so that long starts. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so long as they're so, like solely dependent on their men's programs, 
their women's are not going to be sustainable long-term. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. I was just going to say that starts with visibility mm -hmm. because companies will not put money into something that's not going to get seen by the general public. Mm -hmm. So if there's something that needs to be invested in, it's, it's the television deals. It's making sure that people can watch it and they don't have to go down some back alley of links to find oh, a game. If I have to go to on it's hockey depressing. TV one more time, and if I have oh. to click out of a pop-up ad one more time, and then followed by another five times to do the one thing that I want to do, I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So like invest in, in the TV deals and then start investing in marketing. I saw so many different billboards and flyers and different ads for the men's team that when I, like you walked around, everybody knew who you were. And if you wore your team jacket, they're like, oh yeah, you Gordon. And then you mm -hmm. tell them there's a women's team and they're like, what? I didn't mm -hmm. know that. I've lived here my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing here in Germany too. Same life. <laughs> yeah. And like, even in like a major city like Berlin, like I was talking with someone, I would have been last year now but his daughter mm -hmm. plays in, in Berlin and he was saying that the most that they had in attendance was after they had like a girls hockey night that was supported by the men's team in mm -hmm. Dell. Yeah. And they ended up getting like over a thousand people in to watch that game. But the only reason they did is because one exposure and mm -hmm. two, they don't like, nobody even knew that they had a women's team. Like he said that when he was talking with people, they would be like, there's a women's team in Berlin. Like there's women's hockey here. Like what? Yeah. Like they have, they have no idea. So that needs to change 100%. And I know we started talking about like IHF and women's world championships, but I know we've taken a little bit of a detail. Now we're talking about growing the game. So the world championships mm. is more competitive. There you go. <laughs> yes. Because we don't want to just see Canada, US on the podium. Toad, the, what is it? podium podium i was gonna say the po the the totem mind. the totem pole, totem pole? <laughs> inclusivity um no <laughs> no on, on the podium right and like yeah love canada want you to win want you to have some more competition and push you guys to actually work a little bit harder too i'd love to see that not these nine one nine two wins or oh, yeah. six three losses if we're talking about the gold medal game i guess but uh yeah uh empty netters you know like it's fine that game that game was so close the score doesn't show it but mm -hmm. it was very back and forth it just ended up you know you get an empty netter and then you're trying to come back and it another empty netter and I'll be honest, didn't even watch the highlights for that game. Didn't even get a chance. Been so oh, crazy yeah. packing and getting everything ready to roll here. So, well, I got to run. Yeah, me too. They um, don't stop. <laughs> no, it's been great jumping on. And Absolutely. this has been the best part of my day. Honestly, this conversation was, was really great. And it makes me think so much more about like how we can really focus on developing women's hockey in other countries. Um, so mm -hmm. if anybody's looking for some help on the women's development side, hit your girl up. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you everybody once again for tuning in. As always, if you found this episode to be of value, if you liked it, please share it on social media, share it with a friend, tag us and leave us a rating and review if you have the time. It really helps the podcast grow. It only takes two minutes. 
and it will make both of our days and weeks and months because uh, it just we are really happy when we see those roll through so thank you once again and we'll see you next week bye